Lord, nothing does compare to the promise we have in you. Open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Back a few decades ago, there was a little boy called Lincoln Stephens, and his parents had been asking him for a couple of weeks uh, before Christmas what he would like for Christmas. And all little Lincoln wanted was his own pony. And he said, if I can't get a pony, don't get me anything, nothing. And uh, so his sisters would tell him, well, you know, Christmas comes every year. And every year, mom and dad ask us what we want for Christmas, kind of trying to encourage him a little bit, just in case the pony didn't come. And so Christmas morning, bright and early, six o'clock in the morning, his, Lincoln and his two sisters dash downstairs and there are squeals from the girls as they go and kneel down beside each of their stacks until they realize there is absolutely nothing for their brother. And then they just all burst out in sobs because they just feel so bad for Lincoln. And they dash up to their rooms crying and Lincoln is just beside himself. There is nothing. And he goes into the barn and his mom goes out and tries to comfort him and he sees his father looking out the window at him for a couple of hours and everybody is just so distraught. Nobody's having a good Christmas morning. And then he hears a clip-clop coming down the street and there's a man leading a pony with a brand new saddle in it and it's a little boy's saddle. So he starts perking up and the man comes by, looks at the number of the house and keeps on walking. Well, that was it. I mean, that was beyond the beyond. It was the absolutely worst Christmas ever and he just lay on the ground and sobbed his little heart out. And then he heard a voice say, Hey kid, do you know a Lenny? He said, yes, I'm Lenny. He said, well, this horse is yours. This pony is yours. I've been looking everywhere for you. And he gave this long explanation as to why he'd been delayed and why he couldn't make it there when he was supposed to make it there. Lenny didn't hear a single thing. He got into the saddle and went down and back and up and back through his street. See, the pony was always coming. The pony was always going to be coming. But he got disheartened because he couldn't wait patiently. His impatience and his uncertainty, in fact, drove him to deep despair. John the Baptist is, 
in a similar situation, he's been thrown in prison because he's been preaching uh, a message of repentance from sin and he's gotten in the face of Herod himself, King Herod, and told him that he'd better repent of his sin because he'd married his brother's wife. And that had got him in prison. Meanwhile, Previously, Messiah had come to him. Jesus had come to him in the Jordan and been baptized by him. And he heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved. This is the one. And John acknowledged, This is the one whom I have been proclaiming, whose songs of his sandals I am unworthy to untie. This is Messiah. And yet, he's in prison. And there's a bit of uncertainty that comes into this question that he sends his messengers to ask Jesus. Mark you, it says that he had heard in prison what the Messiah was doing. He knew what Messiah was doing, but it didn't make sense to him in his worldview of what Messiah should be doing. And so Jesus' response is interesting because it recounts what he has been doing. In a way, he's not saying anything new. But how he's phrasing it is different. And it opens up John's eyes, the eyes of his heart. He says, Jesus says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. And immediately, it would appear, a light goes on. Oh, those are the words of the prophet Isaiah. Oh, that's the sign. That's what the signs look like for the coming Messiah. Not more judgment, not coming with force, not with a sword, not getting rid of the armies of Rome by force and power, but by healing and teaching. See, aren't we sometimes like that? Aren't we actually looking for the wrong signs? We think that a sign that something is happening in our lives should be X or Y or Z. And unless God provides that sign, God's not working. I've done that. God can't be working because I expect this sign to give me proof that he's actually working. And so our prayer becomes, Lord, reveal not only your signs that reveal you are at work because the Lord is at work, but then open the eyes of my heart to see them and to interpret them and to know what they mean. 
Jesus, when he begins his ministry, goes to this passage in Isaiah. In the synagogue in Nazareth, he opens up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's the anointed Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here is the Messiah. Here is the anointed one because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And all of a sudden, John's going, yes. It's not looking like I thought it would look. But yes, the signs are there if I just have eyes to see. The other problem with John was that he was impatient. Want it now. I want it now. (laughs) I want the answer now, God. Okay, now would be really good, right now. But it doesn't work like that. And James tells us that, doesn't he? James, is it, do we want to hear that we have to be patient? Do you want to hear that you have to be patient? I, I don't want to hear that I have to be patient most of the times. The Lord says, you've got to be patient. Because I'm working. And the way I work is not the way you work. And my time is not your time. And so James gives us this wonderful image of the farmer. You know, we're so far from an agrarian culture that, that we have to really open up this image for ourselves. Uh, some of you do, but not all of us get into the dirt often. I know quite a few of you do, and our beautiful campus is witness to that. But, you know, the farmer has to get the ground ready and then has to put the seed in and then has to wait. Is it working? Isn't it working? Is it working? Isn't it working? Now, if the farmer were to go back in there and open up the soil and say, okay, is it working? What happens? The seed dies. It's got to stay in the dark. Any of you who have grown bulbs, crocus or hyacinth, you know that you put it in and then you put it in the dark. Not only is it in the soil, but it's best in a dark place. And then how beautiful is the blossom that comes out of the darkness. If it's disturbed and is in the light too early, it withers and dies. See, darkness is where the Lord does a lot of his work unseen. And it seems so long to us sometimes. It's not that he's not working. It's that we haven't seen the right signs We haven't known how to interpret the signs, and we are impatient for the Lord to work on our timetable instead of his perfect timetable. And that's true. He's always at work. When our prayers go up, 
Is it a prayer for amended relationship, for physical healing, for spiritual growth? We don't get to see inside what the Lord is doing. But he is always at work. He is always near. He is always listening to the prayers of his beloved children. We might not see the signs. That doesn't mean that God is not at work. He is at work. I find these words in a poem by Teilhard de Chardin, a Jesuit theologian, really helpful. It says, Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We're impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability. And that it may take a very long time. And so it is with us. Our ideas mature gradually. We're to let them grow. Let them take shape themselves without undue haste. We're not to try to force them on as though we could be today what time, that is to say grace and circumstances acting on our own goodwill, will make us tomorrow. Only God, only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within us will be. We're to give the Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading us. And accept the anxiety of feeling ourselves in suspense and incomplete for a season. Until we wait patiently and the Lord reveals. Because look at those images from the prophet Isaiah. Wilderness blossoming. Not just a little bit. Not just a few shoots, but full, abundant, riotous color and blossom. Deserts with streams of water. Burning hot sand, cool pools of water. This is the abundant graciousness of God in his time that he will bring to us. Is there a wilderness that you're currently walking through? Is there a desert place that feels like burning hot sand? Have you been looking for signs and they're not there? Are you becoming impatient? Trust the Lord. He's at work. He's always at work. And his hand is always on his children. The psalmist says, Be patient. Wait for the Lord. Happy are those whose hope is in the Lord their God. Happy are those whose hope 
is in the Lord their God. For he made the heaven and the earth, the seas and all that is in them. He keeps his promises forever. His justice, he gives justice to the oppressed, food to the hungry, those who are captive he sets free. He opens the eyes of those who are blind, spiritually and physically. He lifts up those who are bowed down and who are carrying too many heavy burdens. This is our God, whose signs of his working might not be the ones we expect or desire, whose timing is not our own, but who is always faithful, always near, and whose love for us is never-ending, unceasing, boundless as the ocean. Let us wait. Lord, in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.